Hello and welcome to another edition of the PCOS Diva podcast. This is your host, Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and I'm the founder of PCOS Diva. And I've invited Kate Davies. She is a fertility practitioner. She works with women wishing to optimize their ability to conceive naturally. And she coaches women going through difficult fertility journeys. And I thought that she would be the perfect expert to bring on to talk about OPKs. And if you're in sort of that trying to conceive space, you know that OPKs are ovulation predictor kits. And um, I, I really want... Kate to help us sort of demystify um, ovulation predictor kits for women with PCOS. So welcome, Kate, to the podcast. Thank you, Amy. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's great to be here. So I just want to give our listeners just a little bit more information about your background. You are a registered nurse specialist, mm-hmm. and you've worked for over 20 years in the UK's National Health Service as a specialist nurse in gynecology, sexual and contraceptive, health, and fertility. And four years ago, you were frustrated with the lack of support and high-quality advice for women who were struggling to conceive, and you founded your private practice called Your Fertility Journey. And shortly after this, you were trained as a fertility coach to offer your patients much-needed emotional support as well as medical advice. So thank you so much for, for coming on with us today. Oh, thank you. It's um, it's really good to be here, and it's really good to be talking about OPKs and giving you my opinion on them as well. So thank you. So let's dive right in. What is your view on the accuracy of OPKs, um, in particular for women with PCOS? Okay, yeah. Well, I have to admit I'm very skeptical of the reliability of ovulation predictor kits. Um, and as a result, I really don't recommend them any of my patients I think if I give a bit of background really I mean I know you've mentioned it Amy but kind of about OPKs um, these are sometimes referred to as LH kits there's various different names um, for them and sometimes they're also referred to by their brand name as well and they're used to detect the rise of the ovulation hormone luteinizing hormone otherwise called LH Um, which is released into the bloodstream 24 to 36 hours prior to ovulation. And LH is the hormone that triggers the release of an egg from the ovary. And after the hormone surge, ovulation normally occurs, like I said, about 24 to 36 hours later. Unfortunately, not every woman is able to use OPKs, and this is particularly the case if you have either polycystic ovaries or polycystic ovarian syndrome, so PCOS. Um, Certainly with PCOS, you're likely to have often quite high levels of luteinizing hormone at various different times of the month. So whereas a woman would normally have this high level of luteinizing hormone, just as, as I mentioned prior to ovulation, if you've got PCOS, then it's very likely that you've got it at different times throughout the month. And therefore, this causes what we call false positive results, leading to real confusion for women as to when they're ovulating and therefore when they're trying to get pregnant. So this causes a real, real problem for women with PCOS um, because clearly she doesn't know when she's ovulating. She wants to find out when she's ovulating. As, As we know, women with PCOS won't ovulate necessarily every cycle. So this causes a real issue with trying to identify that fertile time. However, even in women without PCO or P- 
PCOS. It, it's really widely documented in the clinical literature that OPKs can produce false negative results, so different from the false positive, but false negative, meaning that they get no indication of ovulation, even though they're about to ovulate. And it's something that I see countless times for women, unfortunately, who use OPKs. Now, I'm not saying that they don't have a place. Some women absolutely love them, rely on them, and get on really, really well with them. But it really is a word of caution that, in my opinion, in you know my professional opinion over the last 20 years, they are notoriously inaccurate. And for that reason, especially with PCOS, I don't recommend them. So it sounds to me that using them would somewhat cause more stress um, for for what is an already, for most women with PCOS, stressful time in their lives when they're struggling to conceive. Yeah, absolutely. I think generally women become very all-consumed um, when trying to conceive, and obviously this, this then can start to put pressure on um, their relationship with their partner. And one of the things that I say a lot to my um, fertility coaching patients and, and that they report to me is that trying to conceive always becomes about baby making and they yeah. lose that intimacy, that loving time that they previously had as a couple and, and often forget, you know, in many ways, why they got together in the first place has gone out of the window because the focus is so much on trying to conceive. If you if you then add that with using OPKs, and, and I'm going to talk in a, in a minute about the inconvenience surrounding them, but um, if you then, you're using then OPKs and you're having to, to time when you're using an OPK, for example, then you become very fixated and very focused on basically passing urine onto, a, onto an OPK stick, um, and that kind of makes it quite mechanical. The whole act of trying to conceive becomes um, very mechanical, very focused and you lose that intimacy between the two of you um, and that's one of the things my fertility coaching patients just really desperately want to get back is that intimacy and love that they had between them that spontaneity I suppose which just goes completely out the window when you're um, trying to conceive mm -hmm. so how do you coach your clients around that that problem um, I think it's trying to put that romance back um, and it's it's sometimes taking the focus off trying to conceive and putting it onto something else I mean you know we've all heard about how fantastic sometimes date nights can be and it's just changing tack a little bit it's just changing their focus to remembering almost what it was like when they first got together now that can be hard because a lot of women don't want to give up the focus of trying to conceive or certainly don't want to give up the focus of being aware of of when they're fertile, but perhaps there's other ways in which um, they can monitor that probably more effectively than um, than the OPKs. Um, I think the one of the big things is the with OPKs is that they become quite confusing and inconvenient, um, and there's, I find that there's a lot of confusion surrounding the optimum time to test. Um, I don't know whether you're familiar with this, Amy, but some manufacturers of OPKs suggest that you test first thing in the morning as this is a more convenient time. You're likely to have held your urine for the required four hours prior to testing. But then others suggest that the first sample in the morning isn't sufficient um, as the LH surge 
is very likely not to be present in the urine until later. So this then causes massive con confusion um, because they're therefore suggesting the optimum time to test is late morning or, or early afternoon. So this suddenly becomes really inconvenient because imagine trying to do that when you're busy at work. You know, you're working in an office and suddenly you have to dash out mid-meeting. Mid then that might not even be possible to test your urine uh, late morning or early afternoon. Um, it's just, you know, you just think I don't... The inconvenience of that and, and also the stress, the stress that you must have. It's just another stress that my patients say they just don't want when it comes to trying to conceive. Um, and also, how easy would it be to to not be able to test, to miss that test, and then the stress that that causes, that you've potentially yeah. missed the, the, day, the day of ovulation. Because in a 24-hour period, it's really easy to miss that LHS surge um, and therefore you know, not get an accurate result and completely miss ovulation. Do you find so, that, Amy? Yeah, you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I never used an ovulation predictor mm. kit. Um, I, I don't know if it was just... Um, when I was going through my fertility journey, um, mm -hmm. like you know, now we're talking, my my youngest is going to be 13 on Wednesday. So, um, you know, that was many years ago, 14 mm. years ago, and that just wasn't kind of part of the toolkit. I guess I was given. Mm. Um, you know, I know we. I, I was using the Crichton model of natural family planning, mm -hmm. and, and I know yeah. I, I want to ask you because you are an, an expert on natural um, contraception and fertility planning. Yeah. I want to get to that um, mm -hmm. in a little bit, mm -hmm. but it wasn't just it was not something that that I used. So, but I can as I'm listening to you talk, I can just feel the frustration that it would mm. have caused me, and not to mention probably the amount of money that you're spending because these things aren't cheap. No. Absolutely. I mean, that, the cost of OPKs used every month really, really adds up, and that's one of the frustrations I think that my my ladies do feel. Um, and I think if you if you add the cost to the inaccurate results, then you are literally just pouring money down the drain, or you might as well do that. Um, there are other ways in which you can ac accurately predict ovulation that are a that lot more cost effective. Yeah. yeah. So, to, so tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, one of the things is, as you quite correctly um, mentioned, is observing your temperature and your cervical secretion. So whether it be the Creighton model or whether it be symptothermal method, whatever you you use, um, whether you're using it for, you can use it in both ways. You can use it for natural contraception, which we'll talk about in a minute, or you turn it around and you use it to identify your fertile time. And that's a really, really effective way of determining your fertile time when you ovulate. Um, and if you well, can find and, that. And I will... Go on, oh, go ahead. I... Well, I was just going to add that I know I found it somewhat confusing, and that's sort of how I was diagnosed with mm. PCOS, is that, right. you know, I had these inovulatory sort of mm. mucus cycles. And, you know, because you don't have like a really clear, okay, this is definitely mm. ovulation-type mucus, mm. that you just sort of question, you're not quite sure. And um, I found that very a little bit confusing when I was using natural... Um, like a natural contraception, and in that case, trying to figure out when I was ovulating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. There's, it's quite interesting, actually, when I look at a, a cycle, a BBT cycle, and a, a cycle secretion cycle of a lady who either knows or doesn't know that she has PCOS, and you kind of get this 
start to get this build-up of secretions and then it disappears. And you might a few days later get another build-up of secretions, but then it disappears. And that's a, that's a real sign for me. I do quite a lot of diagnostics on um, women's charts, and that's a real sign for me that there is something going on there hormonally. Um, and again, with a temperature, you might start to get a temperature spike, but then it, it again goes back down, nothing happens, and it will try again. Um, and they're, they're often, they call those false rises, they're attempting, you're, you're trying to ovulate, but it's just not happening enough. The, the stars aren't aligned, it's not going to happen at that moment, so it might then happen um, a few days later, or it might not happen in that cycle at all. But next cycle, you might have a beautiful biphasic curve, which is what I'm looking for in an, a normal cycle, when you have the temperatures at a lower t level, you get the temperature rise and then the temperatures stay elevated until either the end of that cycle or they continue to stay elevated with um, a confirmed pregnancy. So that's one way of um, determining um, when you're fertile. It's, it is definitely harder with PCOS, but it is absolutely possible. Another um, option is to use a fertility monitor, and um, one that um, I recommend is called the Obvisense Fertility Monitor, and this is really accurate. It's actually an easier way of checking your temperature than using um, BBT under your, under your um, tongue because it's more accurate. There's five-minute measurements taken overnight, and the sensor is placed into the vagina overnight. So it's really convenient. It's really easy. Um, it downloads the data straight to your smartphone. You know, it, it couldn't be easier. Um, and that's a very, very good way of um, identifying when you're fertile and when you ovulate. You can't use it for natural contraception at the moment, but it's a fantastic one to be able to help you conceive. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because I've written about the Obisense on PCOS Diva, and I've been hearing a lot of good things. Um, in fact, mm -hmm. a, a woman just posted in my Jumpstart um, alumni page that she, after doctors, you know, were telling her that was how difficult it was going to be for her to conceive and mm -hmm. going through, you know, a, like a long journey. Um, is she using the Ovisense monitor and acupuncture and then doing my Jumpstart program? She just had a beautiful little baby girl. Um, so, yeah, I mean, women are using the Ovisense and having great success. What, can you tell me, um, you know, why the Ovisense, I mean, it, it does make um it does make sense that if you're taking your temperature every five minutes throughout mm -hmm. the night, you have a much better um, understanding of your fertility. But why is this OPK like a good solution for women with PCOS? Why does it seem to be working well for women with PCOS? Um, I, well, it's, it's clinically trialed. It's, it's, they've done so much research into it. It's it's able to predict and confirm ovulation, um, and it confirms with 99% accuracy. So from that point of view, it's, it's just, just brilliant because it's the only fertility monitor that is able to, to do that, is able to confirm um, ovulation in that way. So it's just fantastic, and I've just seen so many women who have really, really good effects. Not only do they identify when they're most fertile, but they, they almost, they're getting control back. They're getting control. They're getting an understanding of their um, cycle, which is what they've unfortunately never had before. A lot of women, for example, um, have no idea that they, they're even ovulating. Perhaps they're told by their doctor they're not ovulating because they go along and they have their 
progesterone test done and of course we we know that you know the test is called a day 21 progesterone test and then they told you can have it on day 21 well that's just pointless if you've got a PCOS and you've got a long cycle because you we all know they need to have it done a bit later than that but perhaps when they're first diagnosed or even prior to a diagnosis they don't they don't know that so they don't know when they're fertile or they don't know when they ovulate so a lot of women who use um, or, or start using Ovisense are just so excited because the first time ever they can see that they ovulate now it won't necessarily be every cycle but they suddenly know that they're ovulating so it's giving them that control it's also telling them a lot of women you know think that they ovulated 10 days or so before that they actually do so it's really having an understanding of exactly when that happens um, and Ovisense is so clever that it uses a fantastic algorithm that is able to really identify exactly what's going on in the body in real time, which is um, another fantastic thing that clearly OPKs can't do. Mm. And I, I think I, I like the idea that you can actually bring a readout to your doctor. Mm. Um, you know, PCOS Diva is all about like educating yourself so, you, so that you can advocate for yourself. And Absolutely. doctors, in, in order to advocate for yourself, oftentimes you need the kind of the cold hard facts, right? Um, you know, I encourage women to bring in copies of PubMed studies to show their doctor, you know, maybe yeah. on, a, on a supplement that they're interested in taking. Yeah. Um, but this, you know, you can actually show your doctor your printout of your of your cycle. Um, you can, you can, and obviously you can keep all the different cycles, so you can go into your, to your doctor with, you know, six months or whatever of data, um, which is very, very powerful. And certainly if a doctor's saying, no, you're not ovulating, you've, you've got the evidence, which is fantastic, and that's really helped a lot of women. Yeah, I just think it's so validating for, mm. for women with PCOS. But, mm. Well, it, um, it can totally give them back control, which is so important. Yeah. So for, for women... Um, you know, that may be listening that are not quite ready to conceive um, mm. or that, um, you know, are kind of interested, well, you know, once I have conceived, you know, maybe I'm not really interested in going back on the pill. Um, mm-hmm. I know I was one of those women The when mm-hmm. I tried to go back on the pill after the birth of my second son, um, I just could not tolerate it. And you know, there's mm-hmm. some new research that, I, that just came out about how the pill um, can really lead to um, feelings of depression, and mm. that's definitely how I felt. So mm. that, like, I was looking for a non-hormonal um, birth control. You know, I uh, I know that there's uh, the copper IUD out there that a, a lot of doctors that I've interviewed feel like that is a good solution for women with PCOS. Mm. Um, and and it it you know I think for many it is. I know I'm someone that. Um, I've been tested with mineral testing that I have copper excess, so mm-hmm. not sure if I would want to put, you know, the copper IUD mm-hmm. in. Um, mm-hmm. So tell us a, a little bit more about the work that you do on natural contraception. Mm, sure, yeah. Well, I'm all for women having choice, and I think that's really important because I think, if, you know, if women go and see their doctor for contraception often, they're... They have a discussion with the doctor about the hormonal contraceptions or the the copper coil um, or the hormone coil. And often natural contraception isn't really talked about, mainly because of the the myth that actually it's not an effective method of contraception. But natural contraception, if taught and used correctly, is up to 99% effective. Now, when you think of it that way, 
natural contraception is more effective than the pill and definitely more effective than the IUD. So that's quite interesting. Um, there's been a massive resurgence in interest in natural contraception over recent years, and I think that all coincides with women becoming more aware of toxins, of what they're putting into their body in every aspect of their lives. So it might be they're aware of toxins that they perhaps use in the home, cleaning products, beauty products. Um, if they've got children, they'll be thinking about you know, what toxins their baby, their children are having. Um, and wanting to eliminate that as much as possible. And that's also happening now with medication and, and women kind of really feeling that they don't want to take hormones. That, like you say, they've perhaps had um, experiences of side effects with hormones. They perhaps don't want the copper coil for whatever reason, whether it be um, copper loading or whether it will be um, the invasive procedure or discomfort. That, you know, there's various different reasons. And, and I, you know, I can talk about this very um, easily in the fact that I've, I've worked with contraception for years. So I have offered women all the different types of contraception. And it's why I've really become an advocate for natural contraception to highlight how fantastic this method is um, and how it is a great alternative for a lot of women. So how I work with that is I teach women how to use this effective method of contraception. It takes a little while to learn. You know, it, it's 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 not um, it's not something you can learn very quickly. On average, it takes about three months to learn. Um, but once you have that method learned and nailed, you've got a method for life. And I remember um, meeting a lady. She wasn't one of my patients, but I met a lady um, a couple of years ago who had used natural contraception since she was in her early 20s. And she's now in her 50s. And she had all these charts, all this fantastic data. It was way before mobile phones and charting on your phone um, but she had paper charts of all of her reproductive years including she could identify when she had her three children based on these charts I mean, it was really incredible looking at this information wow. and we were trying to encourage her to take it to a museum because it's you know a women's museum because it's just wonderful information um, and for her it was something that completely became part of her of her life um, and like I said, she used it as a method of contraception, but then she was able to turn it around and use it as um, a contraceptive method, um, sorry, as a, as a fertility method to conceive when she wanted to. So that's why I say in many ways it is a, a complete method for life. And the teaching, like I said, it takes a bit of time, but you learn to um, identify and record your fertility indicators. So those are your temperature, your changes in your cervical secretions, or cervical mucus. Um, and also, if you wanted to, not necessarily, but depending the the position of your cervix changes throughout the month, and you use this information and correlate this information to work out when you're fertile and when you're not. And there's so many days in the cycle when you can um, confidently have sex without using another method of contraception or using a barrier method if if you wanted to. And then there's a, a small, a short window that, with time, becomes shorter as you get to know your body better, when um, potentially you you could conceive and therefore you avoid, you have abstinence um, around that time. So you had mentioned mobile apps. Do you have any mm. favorite mobile apps for tracking? Um, I, there are, there are one or two. I mean, I, I'm, I'm probably a little bit old-fashioned in the fact that I much prefer the paper option of writing it down. I think there's something about physically charting 
your cycle um, with pen and paper on, I use some charts, um, that means that you learn better rather than putting it into an app. But I do completely uh, get the convenience of the apps. I'm not a mad advocate of Fertility Friend, uh, mainly because I notice that that always seems to put the cover line in the wrong place. <laughs> so I constantly see inaccuracies with that. Um, but there are some good ones out there, but I think you have to be aware that they are literally just for you to put data in. They're not, they're not, they shouldn't, um, and if they do, they don't do it particularly accurately. They, you have to be very careful with when they're telling you that you're um, fertile because often it's wrong. So they, they need to be used with caution, I think, is what I'm trying to get at. Well, I've really enjoyed the information that you've given us on um, OPKs and the natural fertility method. Um, you know, I think I would love for you to leave us with some words of wisdom. Um, you know, being a fertility coach and working with women who are trying to conceive and sort of that emotional exhaustion and that roller coaster ride mm -hmm. that you you end up going on um you know maybe you could give us just a couple tips on how to cope with um you know that up the ups and downs of the journey mm, yeah no sure yes i mean i'm sure every every woman that's listening or um you know listening to this podcast will will completely appreciate that the the journey is a is a very complex one and it definitely is a roller coaster with the ups and downs um, and I think the, the secret very much is is finding the ability to navigate your fertility journey successfully, and that doesn't necessarily mean that successfully that you end up with your goal with a baby, but at least you navigate your journey maintaining a sense of yourself, which I think is really, really important. Um, what I find with many women is that they've lost the ability to feel positive um, and to feel as though there is hope, um, and that's what they need to try and achieve and to, to bring back that sense of self, which is so important. A couple of things that I always get my fertility coaching patients to do, and the first one is to keep a fertility journal. That's one of the most important things, mainly because all the different tools that I teach them to use to help them navigate their journey correctly often Need, you need to use your journal in which to write them down or to consider different things. And, and what I find is many women who are keeping a fertility journal start to really notice the negativity creeping into their writing and then can try and change those thoughts to a more positive mindset. It takes a bit of work, but that's one way of really, really changing how you're thinking. And when you, when you, free, when you free text into a journal and you don't stop yourself, you might write your worries down or your concerns, and then you read back over it. You can think, oh, okay, yeah, I can see I've been quite negative there. What do I need to do right now to change that to more of a positive mindset, whether it be an action or going to do a bit of research into something that's worrying you? It just starts to put everything into perspective a little. I love that. I know I, I one of the tenets of being a diva is that diva is powerfully positive, and it's something that we really have to work on. It, it doesn't just happen. Um, you know, we have to, and that's one of the reasons I post a positive quote on PCOS Diva Facebook page every day. I, it 
it's as much for me as it is for the women who follow the page. Mm. I have to work on that positive mindset every single day. Uh, and I love that idea of journaling uh, and seeing that negativity creeping up. I don't mm. often notice it. Um, no. Just in day-to-day life, often my husband will kind of say to me, Jamie, you know, you, you probably need to <laughs> get back yeah. to your affirmations or, or, you know, positive inspirational books. Um, so, yeah, that's a great tip. Absolutely. I mean, positivity for me is it's one of my core values. Um, I don't know if you've ever done a values exercise on yourself, Amy, to work out what your values in life are, but um, positivity is one of my core ones, and it's something that I I try and be all the time. But I agree with you. It's very difficult to to be positive all the time. And I, you know, I'm a physio coach, and I work on positivity all the time. But I still have to remind myself to be to be positive. And I know we were talking earlier about um, I'm about to climb Kilimanjaro this week, and at the minute I'm feeling really, really negative about that. So I need to go away and coach myself, definitely. <laughs> yeah, isn't that? I know that I, I do have to highlight that it's it's amazing. You're you're climbing Mount Kilimanjaro <laughs> for um, for a cause, and mm. maybe you could just share share with um, listeners, you know, why you're doing this. Well, I'm doing it because um, uh, I have military connections and I'm actually doing it for a military charity that looks after um, uh, servicemen and their families at times of distress, whether it be um, through bereavement, um, illness or um, uh, financial hardship, all these type of things. So it's a really worthy cause um, and yeah, that's why I'm doing it. So very exciting <laughs> and a bit scary. And you'll have to keep your journal. Um, it'll be so interesting to sort of experience it through through your eyes. You'll have to post it on your your fertility journey site. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will be, and I'll be keeping my journal. And I, I can tell you now, I will be looking out for negativity and changing it to positive. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so, so tell us more about your your practice um, mm. and how, if you if women want to learn more about what you do and your fertility coaching, how they can reach out to you. Mm, sure. Well, I um, like you said, I've set up in practice about four years ago. I, I was really frustrated because um, I felt that women were often told who were trying to conceive naturally, oh, you know, go away, keep trying, and not given the support, not given the advice that they desperately needed. And often that type of advice means that you then don't need to go down the route of assisted conception because you've done something actively about your concerns early. Um, so my business, Your Fertility Journey, I offer natural fertility consultations, um, fertility coaching. I have a special interest, as, as we've talked about, in um, PCOS, offer PCOS support. Um, and I've got a, an online program that's called Boost Your Fertility in 30 Days um, that basically gives women who are starting out in natural contraception, uh, natural, sorry, natural conception, all the um, information they need on how to boost their fertility. And obviously, as we talked about, I offer natural contraception teaching as well. Um, and I love it. It's, I'm very passionate about what I do. I love anything to do with fertility. Um, and fertility coaching, you know, I, I tend to coach a lot of ladies going through assisted conception. Um, and it's, it's absolutely fantastic, very rewarding. And I love my job every day, especially when I'm, one of my patients tells me that they've conceived. That's, that gives me a buzz all day long. <laughs> oh, definitely. I know. It, it, it really is a gift, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Um, 
Well, thank you so much, Kate, for joining us, and um, I've, it's really been a pleasure. I well. look forward to um, having you on again um, soon, talking more about fertility. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Thank you very much, Amy. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I look forward to being with you again soon.